Well, good afternoon, Grace Covenant. You know, it's my first time on a Sunday. My name is Sean Clemens. I'm one of the associate pastors here over our men's ministry and our prayer ministry. Um, and normally it's a Wednesday night when I get an opportunity to speak. So I'm looking at the time and, man, that looks a little weird. It's not 7.15. So <laughs> really grateful to be here. Um, we are um, starting a new series um, it's on our core values, and it'd be really good if I could pull my notes up to, to help me jump into this. Um, so we, we, we're having a series on our core values. Our core values are evangelism, lordship, discipleship, leadership development, and spiritual family. Um, today we'll be focusing on evangelism. Um, the passage that we're going to look at today is from Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34. So I want to give you an opportunity to pull that up. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34. Um, one of the co cool things or really important things that we got to remember as those who would call Grace Covenant Church home is that core values are the fundamental beliefs of a person or organization. These guiding principles dictate behavior and can help people understand the difference uh, between right and wrong. Core values also help um, churches or companies to determine if they are on the right path in fulfilling their goals by um, creating an unwavering guide. Why did I just read that definition to you? Often we can come to a church, we can be a part of something, we can come on a Sunday and we'll check off a box as if that's what God just intends. But God has something bigger, and so God gives our senior pastor a vision of winning the city. What does that mean? I don't know. I can't really wrap my mind around that. Um, God wants us to be a part of something much bigger than ourselves. So let's look at the Bible with, with um, Abraham, excuse me, Moses, looking into the promised land. He sends spies in. Ten of those spies did not recognize that God was doing something much bigger than themselves. So when they saw the giants, Oh, we're grasshoppers, man. Our wives are going to get killed. Our, our children are going to get killed. And so they didn't want to enter in. But two recognized that God was doing something bigger. And he says, man, Joshua says, man, they are bread for us. So it, your, your perspective on things change. When we understand our core value, then kind of some of the things that can get us stuck in life um, will not allow us to obtain the goals that God would have us to obtain. And so when we, we hold on to our core values, then we can push past or push through those obstacles that may be there. Or we may turn away from some things, thinking of like Daniel saying, I would not defile myself because it was a core value that he wanted to maintain his intimacy with God. And when everything was on the line, he said, no, I won't defile myself. So core values are very important. It's not just something we like to just throw out there, but it helps to unite us and, and helps us to begin to understand why God would bring us from all over the DMV, people who have so many different experiences, different ethnic backgrounds and things of that nature. Why is he bringing us together? Um, there's a vision that's been given, and our core values help us to find the guidelines to being able to walk that out. As you may have um, heard me try to slip in there, our sermon title today is Unstuck, and I think that there are some, some reasons why we don't do evangelism like we should. Um, you know, it's really interesting being on, um, on this side of kind of when I was, you know, in the, the pews um, versus being, you know, in a position where I'm a pastor. When, when I was on, on that side, when someone said, hey, man, let's go do some street evangelism, it, it just fell on deaf ears. I didn't really hear anything. 
But now that if I'm the one saying, hey, men, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go win the campus. Let's go help the campus ministry. And I see like two or three guys, I'm kind of discouraged. And, and I have to remember, man, I used to be one of those guys that would not respond because I was stuck. And let me tell you why I was stuck. Man, a few years, this is, this is a while ago. I was in my 20s at the time, and I lived in Newport News. I was on fire for God. I don't know if you ever heard that phrase. It's like when you're one of those people who are like kind of crazy, like 24-hour prayer sessions. You're like running around. Man, I just love God. I don't want to do this no more. I don't want to do that no more. It's what some people would call being on fire for God. And, and one day, for whatever reason, I can't remember why, I'm in Newport News, Virginia, and we're not in a great neighborhood. It's just really not a great neighborhood. In fact, they, 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 it's part of the reason why Newport News sometimes is called bad news because of the, um, <laughs> the neighborhood that we're in. But for whatever reason, I'm sitting in the car. I see this guy. He kind of looks a little rough. But I knew that I knew that the Lord said, hey, man, go talk to him. So I did. Hey, bro, what do you want, man? Man, I just want to tell you about Jesus, man. Do you want to accept him as Lord and Savior? What do I want to do that for? Man, he'll give you joy. And man, get out of my face. And I got stuck. Because I wasn't properly equipped, I wasn't properly prepared, I didn't understand what that all meant. I got stuck and would not share my faith for years to come until I met Pastor David Hermes and got out of my comfort zone. Being stuck is a reality that we can all face, but if we don't understand it's our core value, then we can remain in that place because we don't see how it pushes us forward towards fulfilling the vision that God has given to us. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34 reads, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And when he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he, he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for an opportunity to gather together. Um, at this point, Father God, we just ask that you will speak, um, that you will move me aside, use me as a tool, that you will help us to hear well, that you will plant seeds in our heart that will produce fruit. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. I have four points for you today when we talk about getting unstuck. Um, from this example here that we see with Paul and Silas who are, being, who are found in jail, there are four things that I think we can pull out of this particular um, passage that Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, he, as he's given an account of what it was like to see after Jesus had rose um, from the dead, what was it like to see the movement of the spirit and the expansion of the church. And so he kind of gives us kind of sports center highlights of what was taking place. 
There's movement, music, moment, message. Movement, music, moment, message. Movement. Sometimes when we're not aware of the narrative of things, then our perspective on life situations hit us differently. Culturally, and when I'm, when I'm saying culturally, I mean like this is just the air that we breathe. We don't really understand it all the time because it's kind of like a blind spot. It just is what it is. Culturally, we are typically consumer type of Christians. Even when we hear a testimony about what God has done, we kind of refasten it in the context where maybe God would do something like that for me. And I'm not always saying that that's bad. I mean, sometimes we have physical situations going on. Maybe there's some emotional situations. Maybe financially things are, are going on. And so we want God to move on our behalf. But when we hear the narrative about how much God just wants to do for you, we don't hear the context of Jesus in Luke 14 saying, if you want to follow me, that you got to hate your own life. In fact, you got to pick up your cross and die. And we can't hear that narrative. And so when we find ourselves in various situations, we recoil from the thought of evangelizing because we're blinded by the narrative that we're getting. Paul and Silas here who are in jail, they had just been um, in, they're, they're in Philippi. They had, they had just seen a great miracle take place in, in casting out a demon in the young slave girl who was going around and, and saying that these are the servants of the Most High God. And they're trying to show you the path of salvation. But she must have been antagonizing in the way that she was saying it because it says that Paul got annoyed with it. So, you know, sometimes you can say the right thing, but, you know, it's like, hey, man, you keep saying it that way. We're going to have a problem. You might be using the right words. My wife sometimes says, look, you ain't going to talk to me like that. But I didn't say nothing wrong. <laughs> but my tone, she, you know, my tone did not. My wife is from Jamaica, so it's a problem when that happens. <laughs> Just want to make sure y'all recognize that. So if we're not careful with the narrative, when we find ourselves in situations, when we, you find yourself in bad news in front of um, some tough guy that just totally rejects you, you can think, God wouldn't want me to feel this way. Because it's really about me, right? That's what it's really about. But there's, there was an interesting situation that took place with Jesus and the Pharisees. And they came before him and said, what's the greatest commandment? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he just added on. They didn't ask for it, but he added it on that the second one was likened unto it, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. Uh-oh. Because that means that it can't just be about me. And in us following Christ, we have to understand the proper narrative. That we are, we serve, I love the way Pastor D says it, we serve at the pleasure of the king. And so we have to begin to have a mindset and understand that the movement that we're talking about here is the movement of the gospel. God has chosen that his preferred method of moving this gospel, of expanding his kingdom, would be through evangelism. 
And so when we hear about miracles, it's not just for miracle's sake. It's not just that Pastor Tiffany was able to, to, to get certain things done in her life after being a single mother for a certain season. It was for her to be able to tell that testimony so that other women could be free. There was something more that God has behind your story and your situation, even the things that don't feel good, like being thrown in a hole like Paul and Silas. See, the enemy would love to give you the narrative that God has left you there and, and he's put you there by himself. And often when we do evangelism, it is, we feel like we are by ourselves, so we got to make this thing happen. But there was music involved in Paul's life so that he could break free from that narrative. And that music was his ability to praise and worship God in the worst of situations. Now, I, I know that Paul was, was way more a greater Christian than I will ever be. But I still got to believe that, man, when you've been beaten with rods, if you look earlier in that passage, it says he was beaten with rods before they threw him in jail. That something on the inside of you has got to be like, there's got to be some kind of inner conflict. It's got to be something. And he chose to praise. And my wife and I, we, we got married um, maybe a year into it, we got pregnant. And one Sunday, uh, my wife says, I need to go to the hospital. Take me, Sean. So we go to the hospital. We end up finding out we had a miscarriage. Me not wanting to show emotion in front of my wife, I try to console her and help her to go through. I walk outside into the parking lot. And I remember kind of being at a crossroad or a forking road. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. And I had to choose whether or not how I was going to respond. And I chose to look back at the cross to hear the gospel and, and hear, God, I don't know why this had to happen. But I know you love me because you sent your only begotten son to die for me. And so I took a moment to worship him. I'm not great. I'm not in any way. But I understand when there's hurt and pain that is going on deep on the inside of you. And that you have to choose at times to hear the proper narrative. Because when we hear it right, then we see the opportunities that come along. And as we praise God, we begin to recognize that he is a lot bigger than our situations are. He's a lot bigger than the fear that wells up on the inside of you. That the way, am I going to be received? How are they going to treat me? I, I, I don't know if I really want to engage in doing this. Maybe I don't know enough. All of those reasons, all of those things that speak to us, that tell us not to get engage in evangelism, begin to get smaller as we hear the, 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 the soundtrack of the movement. I love Pastor Jared on um, Priest earlier today at 1045, my brother Pastor Stephen, and we talked about as we were preparing this sermon that every movement has a song or has music. Can you hear it in the hardest of places, in the darkest of situations? And then you join in with it and you sing songs and you pray to God and you're honest with him. And what we find in the passage is that others are listening. And I'm not telling anybody to go to your job and start being weird and, you know, you, no. But how you deal, how you move through the situations, they are hearing that. They're seeing that. If we have the soundtrack of the movement going on in our lives, if it's in our ears, if we read in our Bible every day, if we're reminding ourselves of, of what God has done, what the good news of Jesus Christ is, 
then we'll be prepared for moments. There are certain moments that arise. Sometimes we force them. I remember being on the campus. I was reminded of this when I looked at um, Pastor Dave. It was at George Mason University. Um, at this point, we started using a tool we call the God Test. The God Test is 10 questions that takes anybody through. It's a really easy tool. We have an app for it, so you can go to, um, to your Android account, or if you got iPhone, you could use that one as well. Um, they have, they, 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 there's an app for it. So the, the, the God Test is a great way of kind of walking someone through just with questions. We, we, we talk about SALT, which is, is, is kind of an acronym for start a conversation, um, we want to ask um, questions. We want to listen, um, and then we want to tell our story. And the God test is a great tool to use to to be able to um, utilize that salt method. And and so we were doing this. We were doing the God test at George Mason University, and and I was getting rejected left and right by different kids. But then one day I sat down. I call them kids, but I mean they were you know they're young adults. I'm, I sat at I sat at the table um, with, with with a couple of guys, and and I walk them through. And, and the questions they ask is like, do you believe in God? Do you believe everyone to go to heaven? Why or why not? And, and you, you, you kind of walk them through these questions. And the, the last question on there is, would you like to give your life to Jesus? Now, I got a lot of people to that question, but I had never actually hit pay dirt at that point. I hadn't done it. And so when these guys said, yes, I would like to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I said, huh? You can ask David. You can ask him. I came up to him. I, David, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. <laughs> what happens? They said, yes, man. What, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Re- one of the reasons why I share that is we, as you look at this passage, as we see this great miracle taking place and, and God created the moment for Paul to move, there's actually other men in there. And there's no way we know how many of them or if any of them got saved other than a jailer and his household. There's times when you do evangelism where people just don't respond in that moment. And if we allow that to become the reason why we shut down, then we won't see the moments of success like the jailer coming to the faith. It's pushing past. It's pushing through. It's hearing the right narrative. It's it's singing the song that allows you to recognize the moment that, man, these guys actually said they want to accept Christ. And you keep pushing forward. And my wife, she, she learned about it later on that night. I got home that night, maybe like 10, 11 o'clock. I said, no, you woman, you got to wake up. I need to tell you about what just happened to me on campus. The moment. We got to make sure that we are in a position to, to recognize the moment. And so when we think about the narrative, um, when we think about the music that we're singing, um, it, it's, it's going to be like a situation where... Um, I couldn't think of a really good example. Um, there was an old um, Mio um, enhanced water commercial, and, and I, my wife and I used to laugh at it a lot. The, the guy who would be like, man, it changes everything. And, like, every, like, 10 seconds, like, you'll see something different going on. And so, like, her and I, we would laugh at the commercial, and then she would notice something in the background, like, did you see that they changed the clock? Or, and then I'd say, man, did you see the guy over there doing, like, karate chops on a, on a, on a, on a keyboard? And... and, and, and but without being, having the right narrative, without having the right eyes to be able to see, when we think of Christianity just from our own terms as a consumer, then we can't see the different moments that God has for us. Hallelujah. And so we may say, I, I just, you know, 
Pastor Jerry, you, you told this crazy story about meeting someone at 7-Eleven. That never happens to me. But can you see the board that way? Do you recognize that the movement of the gospel and God's preferred method of evangelism creates, he is creating moments for us to be able to share the message. But if we don't recognize the moment, we won't share the message because we'll walk right by it. We won't recognize it. We, we were in Orlando a, a couple of years ago and we played um, the escape room game. I don't know if anyone's heard of that escape room. And I say we because Pastor Jared and I were there and, and we had a few other guys. And the thing about the escape room is that you get locked in this room and you got a certain amount of time. And then you get these kind of guys with this testosterone loan testosterone levels of competition and you know it's like no we got to win this we got to do this and and guys want to argue but we had to slow down a little bit and look at paintings for little clues we had to look behind books we had to look at maps and, and and pull levers and and reach our hand here and there you had to slow down and you had to be aware sometimes being in your situation at your workplace maybe at your place of play maybe with your family slow down God what is there would you like for me to do God, I know I'm here at Harris Teeter shopping, but is there anything that you would like for me to do today? Because I serve at your pleasure. Our ability to slow down will help us to catch the moment. And then finally, what is the message? Do you know the message? When I talked to the guy in Newport News, (laughs) I didn't know the message. I didn't. That dude didn't care about no joy. He didn't care about that. That sounds like some soft talk that he didn't want no parts of. I needed to know what the message was. I needed to know, like it says in Romans um, 6.23, one verse evangelism is another tool. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, um, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. See, what I didn't recognize was that that young man that I met that day in Newport News or this jailer was really in prison. You know, we, we, we look at this story and, and, and we don't see the freedom that Paul and Silas had to worship and praise in that situation. We commend them for that, I should say. We commend them for their ability to do that. But we don't really see the prison that the jailer was in. He was the one who had to take these men who had just been beaten unjustly and throw them into the deep part the deep pits of this prison he was the one who was responsible for making sure all of these prisoners um, didn't get free and so there was a fear on the inside of him that the system dictated and controlled him I shouldn't say fear there was a way there's a manner of his life being controlled by the system and so even when he saw a movement of God, he couldn't accept that. He thought to kill himself because the system said he had did something wrong. And often people in this world are being crushed by what the lies the enemy is putting on them. Or the weight of the sin that they're carrying. The wages of death. The wages of sin is death. People need to recognize that. We got to recognize how we once were that way. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about that, how we once were ones that were blinded and, 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 and um, following the course of this world. We got to recognize that there is real death that, these, that, that folks who are outside of the church are under. There is a real wrath. 
there is a, 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 a debased way of thinking, a, a futile way of thinking that Romans 1 talks about um, that is being leveled against people. And we can see that when we talk about government shutdowns and things of that nature. It's the way that we think sometimes in this world. And so there is a need for the freedom that comes in Christ. There's a need for this eternal life that is offered through Christ Jesus. And it's us recognizing that we actually are the free ones who are saved, who can call Christ king of our lives. We who are under the the kingdom of God, the effective will of the king. If we reside under that, we are the Joneses that should be admired. But we don't hold on to it because we don't hear it in a cultural, uh, a cultural way. We don't hear consumer Christianity. We hear the movement and the music of the gospel and how it is being pushed along so that we can find those moments and we share the gospel that Jesus came to free us from the kingdom of darkness. And that we can come underneath this authority of the king and live the abundant life that he makes available to us. And this abundant life isn't found in um, trinkets and toys and things like that. But it's in the fruits of the spirit like we've been going over. It's in the intimacy that God makes available to us. It's it's what Pastor D said earlier as we were doing communion. That the idea of not just the religious side of things or or the physical um, uh, uh, restrictions that you put on one's life. But God, Jesus was, was trying to bring them into a spiritual intimacy. She said it way better than I did. I apologize for tearing that up. But it was was such a profound thought. The message. The jail cell. People being lost. And we don't recognize that. We don't recognize that that is a reality. Then it's easier to just to focus in on ourselves and what we want and what we need. There's so many people who need to hear the truth of the gospel. And that's something you got to prepare for. I wasn't prepared, so my man said, hey, man, get out of my face. <laughs> you got to prepare. You got to spend some time in the word. Not because you want to do it necessarily, because that's what your father in heaven wants. That's his desire. And if we're going to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we got to take on this core value that we have in this church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Maybe there's somebody in here who has heard what I had to say about um, sharing this, this message. Um, and you recognize, you know what, I'm actually the one that's in prison. That I'm not free. That I'm, I'm caught up in this world's course of the, 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 the path that the, that the world has laid out for me. And, and I want to find freedom as well. I want you to know my brother or my sister. That Jesus didn't just die for those who call themselves Christian now. But there's a whole slew of people that he has died for. And I believe you're in that number. And if you would like to accept Christ as Lord and Savior um, this afternoon, please raise your hand with all heads bowed.